0: Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast that covers brand new movies that are out in theaters or VOD streaming services, wherever you get your new movies. You can check that out at Quipster.net. Today, I'm going to be getting into the first part of a three-part series looking at films of the 1980s in which the hero is someone who leads a pack of animals who are also heroes. I suppose you can think of quite a few. The three movies are very closely related in certain respects, although they are not part of the same series. The first one I'm going to be looking at is called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. It's a film that came out in 1984. It is a PG-rated film. It does have violence, sensuality, nudity, and brief language, which is actually quite strong for a PG film. The runtime is an hour and 57 minutes. Tanya Roberts is the main star. Ted Wass, Trevor Thomas, Donovan Scott, Elizabeth of Toro, France Zabda, Clifton Jones, and John Forgem are also in the film. John Gillerman is the director, the screenplay credited to David Newman and Lorenzo Semple Jr., Now, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, is something that began a long time before it was ever a movie. It was an old-time comic book character, essentially a female version of Tarzan. Sheena was created by the comics legend, Will Eisner, and he collaborated with his creative partner, S.M. Iger, also known as Jerry Iger, back in the golden age of comics, like in the 1930s, late 1930s and into the 1950s. While Sheena's not really considered anything more, maybe today, than a marginal character of comic book lore, I think that she does make the history books. She's very important for comics history because she's the very first female character to star in her own solo comic book with Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, which debuted in the spring of 1942. And that was a few months before Wonder Woman did the same that same year the talk about bringing a sheena movie to life it began actually back in the early 1950s they were going to make a movie out of it but then the producers ended up discussing making it a television show and they actually did it debuted in 1955 and it ran through 1956 very short lived but it did appear on tv they did make a film by the way in the 1950s it was entitled queen of the jungle But that was made by packaging together three of the episodes of that TV show, and then they added a little bit of footage to tie those episodes together. And that film was primarily shown in foreign markets, although it did appear in a smattering of theaters in the U.S. at that time. And from then on, there was probably about two decades of relative obscurity for the character. The idea to bring Sheena back... From obscurity to the big screen started back in 1974. There was a Berkeley literature professor named Paul Arato. Arato had begun to slide away from his teaching to try his skill at uh, documentary filmmaking, low-budget filmmaking. And then a friend of his, an underground comics artist in the area and historian named Trina Robbins, she placed the idea in his head about making this movie about Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, now, Robbins actually made the first story treatment for Sheena. She was going to set it in World War II. Although Arato had never read any of the comics or watched any episodes of the TV show, he had heard of Sheena. He knew the basic concept. She was a female version of Tarzan, essentially. And that meant that many others were probably going to instantly get it without really needing to be intimately familiar with the comics or any of the material that have been done about her since. Now, convinced this was an idea whose time has come, Arato sold off his share of this French restaurant in Berkeley, and then he joined forces with his business partner, a publishing executive named Alan Rinsler, And they headed to Hollywood in 1975 to pitch this and a few other movie ideas that they had to the studios. And they quickly found a deal for Sheena with Universal Pictures. They sold it for about $5,000, just a little bit more than that. But there was a snag, though, when they sold it. Universal discovered that they technically didn't have the rights. They assumed the Sheena was in the public domain, but there was a little bit of a loophole in the system. One of the issues of the comic was in the British Museum, and that afforded it copyright protection via the Burn Convention. They'd have to option it from its publisher, which took months to flag down who that person was. That person had long since left the comic book business, but the cost was minimal. It was a six-year option for a, under a grand. Ned Tannen, he was the head of Universal at the time, he envisioned a tongue-in-cheek adventure, China project that would be perfect for Raquel Welch. After several meetings, Raquel Welch said that she wanted to do it. She had yet to sign a contract at that phase, though. The married screenwriting team of Robert and Lori Dillon, they never read any of the original comics, they didn't even intend to, but they did the early script and the production was slated for early 1976 for release. Arato thought that the Dylan script elements were <laughs> pretty far fetched, but they were still, you know, within the realm. They were workable, but Universal didn't quite cotton to it. They lost interest altogether in the Sheena project. And so the studio put Sheena into turnaround, which turned out to be not so great for Arato because he had to pay back the $65,000 that Universal had put into the film or. The studio was going to be able to keep that project after a year, and to make matters worse, Rinsler ended up leaving as his partner. He had had his fill of Hollywood politics up to that point and wanted no more. Now, in mid-1977, Arato had interest from United Artists, but he felt he needed more clout in the deal, and he took it to Filmways, giving over half of the rights, but unfortunately, it also meant he no longer had full control of its destiny, and he really was not going to make money off of whatever deal that they made. Filmways ended up making a deal with United Artists, but UA wanted a new script. They opted to go for more of an adventure film with comedic aspects than what they had originally planned, which was a comedy with some adventure elements. Michael Sheff and David Spector were assigned to handle the screenwriting. They made the setting The Amazonian Jungles, and the budget was going to be an estimate $6-8 million to 8000000 dollars Now, by this point, Raquel Welch was commanding even more money than she had before. She wanted $750,000 and 10% of the profit to go along with it if they wanted to sign her. So the studio felt that they could save money by going for an unknown, an Ursula Andrus type, a model, maybe an unknown, who had far less of a price tag than Welch. You know, UA, they ended up not being very fond of the script, but they decided that they were going to go forward with it. They would try to revise it as they went along, but they ended up being a shakeup in their company, Plus, there were some additional departures from their partners at Filmways, and Filmways was later brought out by some of the defectors from their company that left to start Orion Pictures. So, Orion bought out Filmways, and Orion, when they took over, assigned Haskell Wexler, as the director. For a short period of time anyway, Wexler did not like the script as it was. He ended up rewriting it, but Orion, when they saw Wexler's script, decided it really was not what they wanted either, and they would pull out interest in the film altogether. So back to the drawing board for Arto. He wanted control of the property back, which Filmways was agreeing to do for the cost of their expenses, which was $85,000 and a profit share. And that was added to the 65000 debt he also had to pay to Universal to keep it from reverting to them, which they graciously extended multiple times so he could make a deal with someone. However, the lack of funds soon took its toll on his home, his marriage, his seeing his children in Northern California. Arato moved in with his brother for a while, then a friend, then out of his car, then other friends, and all the while he was borrowing money. By 1979, a smaller studio, AFCO Embassy Pictures, they ended up taking up Sheena. However, the studio really didn't have the kind of money that was needed to bring this to the screen the way the Arrow to envisioned. He then took it to Columbia Pictures, which was the fourth studio to take it up. And there he made his pitch using a concept poster of Sheena, primarily seen as a female Tarzan. They liked that poster, they made the deal right on the spot, and they took care of all of his turnaround fees. And now, with a budget of about 7 to $10 million, Leslie Stevens. Leslie Stevens was the creator of The Outer Limits television show and also the producer of shows that were on the air, Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. Stevens was assigned to come up with an all-new script, and his script drew in a good deal of fantasy sci-fi elements regarding aliens and extrasensory powers. It was really out there. Columbia was probably understandably less than thrilled with this Chariots of the Gods approach to Sheena. They wanted a much more natural take, so they assigned David Newman to do a complete revision, and Newman performed a significant one to that script and brought it back down to earth and then incorporated witch doctors and healing soil and age-old prophecies to the story. The execs at Columbia liked it. They still had a few issues with the script though, so they ended up handing it to veteran screenwriter Dean Reisner for another revision, and Reisner's changes emphasized a lot more action sequences and a lot less of the romance that was involved in Newman's script. During this time, they made an offer to some stars of note, Charlie's Angel star Cheryl Ladd. Farrah Fawcett was also talked about too, but they found out that there was another group of low-budget film producers named Chuck Eisen and Ernest Buscos who had approached Farrah Fawcett already about appearing in a Sheena project. They thought it was public domain as well, but they were mistaken and they were told so, so they had to drop that project. Columbia ended up pursuing Bo Derek for a time, and they also wanted Irish McCalla who had played Sheena on the 50s TV show to play Sheena's mother, with Bo Derek playing Sheena. However, Bo Derrick had already signed to appear in a very similarly premised Tarzan the Ape man in 1981, so she was not available. Also in 1981, Sybil Danning expressed a lot of interest in getting the part. Susan Metchner, who appeared in the movie Stripes as one of the mud wrestlers, she also claimed to be up for that role, but not according to the producers. They really had not heard that she was even interested or wanting to audition, so that was kind of a figment of her imagination, they said. Priscilla Presley even wanted to try out for the role. By mid-1982, the budget would really escalate for Sheena, about 20 to $25 million estimated. Sandal Bergman was under possible consideration after her breakthrough in Conan the Barbarian. They even reached out to Harrison Ford to play the male lead, but he really didn't have a lot of interest in it. Meanwhile, John Gillerman, he had directed similar films in his long career, Tarzan's Greatest Adventure back in 1959. He did Tarzan Goes to India in 1962, so kind of a natural choice. He would occupy the director's chair for Columbia, and then he ended up handpicking Lorenzo Semple Jr. Semple had worked with him on 1976's King Kong for screenwriting duties. Gillerman at that point tried to take complete creative control, and he ended up butting heads with Arato, who soon found himself on the outside looking in of the decision making. Meanwhile, Columbia assigned Yoram Ben-Ami to come in and be the line producer to oversee things in Arato's stead. Now the story for the final film, the final script, involves a young girl who's orphaned after her geologist parents are killed in a cave-in while exploring the source of a mystical healing soil found near the jungle in the fictional African country of Tigra. The native Zambuli villagers—they're also fictional—they immediately adopt the girl with her parents gone. They dub her Sheena. She's the white girl prophesied to be the savior of their people and the future queen of the jungle. Sheena ends up growing up to be a strikingly beautiful woman. She also has the ability to communicate and control animals with her mind. She rides a zebra to get around the jungle and. She has a lot of other mystical arts, like shaving her legs and her armpits and other things for reasons that are not quite fully explained to us, but we kind of get it. Trouble brews in Sheena's territory when Prince Atwani, an ex-football place kicker, ends up joining in a plot to assassinate his brother, King Jabalani, so that he can gain untold riches from the fertile Zambuli lands that he's been protecting. Shaman, one of the Zambouli leaders, is framed for the killing, but that frame-up is captured by a visiting American sports news crew led by a charismatic sports reporter named Vic Casey. They captured those events as they happened, Then they show a significant coup is in play. Atwani, wanting the incriminating tape back at any cost, sets about capturing Vic before he can escape, but with the help of Sheena and her animal friends, Casey means to get out of the country to set the record straight. So a little bit more complicated of a plot there, a lot of political intrigue than you might first suspect for Sheena. Tanya Roberts actually lobbied very hard for the role. She called Columbia's casting director for months on end, trying to get in the door, trying to get an audition. She even appeared nude in Playboy back in like 1982. She posed with a lion and a tiger in her spread to get their attention. And then she sent the producer of Sheena one of the pictures with a note that read, Hey, I found this great picture of Sheena. John Gilliman told Tanya Roberts that she was a little too high profile as a TV actress from appearing on Charlie's Angels. Not really what they wanted, but she told Gilliman that she would slash her wrists if she could not get a screen test and her death would be on his hands. So he ended up allowing her a screen test, but no promises were given. The screen test ended up taking place on an expensive movie set that they had constructed for the purpose of all of these thousands of women that they were bringing in. Candidates performed dialogue and showed their physicality by swinging on vines. There was another test that followed that to show off the physical attributes of those who were under more substantial consideration, of which Tanya Roberts was one. And after 2,000 auditions altogether, many who were models or wannabe models, they decided that they needed someone with more acting experience to anchor the role. So their top candidate, who had all of the qualities that they were looking for, happened to be Tanya Roberts. She was announced publicly to play Sheena in May of 1983. She signed a modest contract that stipulated that she'd be on board for up to three sequels if the first one should prove lucrative. Ted Wass also turned down the male lead role when he was offered it, but he ended up changing his mind after speaking with the screenwriter, Semple, and then traveling to see Gillerman in Africa. Wass had a lot of ideas for improving the character, and Gillerman seemed open to them, so he ended up signing on, too. Now, the acting on the film ended up not being a very high priority in the end. If you see the finished product, Sheena plays more as a way to titillate audiences into movie theaters with a lot of gratuitous shots of Ms. Roberts' body than it is an earnest adaptation fueled by a lot of comic book nostalgia. The director, Gillerman, he does not make his lead actress look good in the acting department, but he just cannot seem to find a way to shoot Tanya Roberts doing anything in any non-seductive way, whether she's bathing or climbing a tree or even just standing still. She's always looking like she's posing for a pinup. Gillerman had very specific ideas and he really did not allow anyone to suggest anything else to change his mind. Tanya Roberts ended up saying that Gillerman was the most difficult director that she had ever worked for due to his adamant stances. and She would often break down crying from Gillerman's tendency to scream at her when things were not going according to whatever he had in mind. Now, the shoot in Kenya had many challenges, including having to fly and truck in all of the cast and the crew and the animals to each location, and that resulted in an escalating budget. There were accidents that frequently occurred with the vehicles. There were a lot of poor road conditions, and the local drivers there, who claimed to be experts, were not very good at driving, especially when it followed rain or hail, And that included an incident where they had a bus slide down an embankment and then roll over several times. Roberts estimated that during the film, she did about 80% of the stunts for the Sheena character, and that includes nearly getting trampled a couple of times. She fell off her zebra at full gallop and also sprained her ankle on about seven different occasions. She would wear a flesh-colored brace throughout most of the picture. There was a lot of water pollution in Kenya, and that made several members of the cast and crew ill with dysentery. And there were temperatures that ran up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit as well. Now, while all of the main animals in the film were trained and tame, they did have some wild animals come poking around to check out the shoot. There were male lions that were interested in the female trained lion named Simba. And they kind of poked around and made everybody very nervous. And they ended up finding a lot of their animals that were in the cages covered with matted fur when they woke up in the morning, blood from wild animals who had tried to attack them through the bars. The rhino that they had escaped into the jungle after one of the lions attacked it, and then it broke through its enclosure. And that was a big ordeal for them at the time to get back. The water, the wild animals, the ambitious stunt work, they were all a lot for Tanya Roberts to have to deal with in her first big starring role. But she ended up persevering all the way through it, at least until she returned home and she was completely wiped out and exhausted and feeling bad. And Roberts ended up having to check into a hospital for recovery. After all it's said and done, I would say Sheena, as a film, I'd say the greatest asset other than the gratuitous cheesecake is it has a lot of stunning photography. It's shot by Oscar-winning cinematographer Pascalino DeSantis. You know, it really does look good. It's very easy to kind of sit there and admire the beauty of the film not just tanya roberts but the lush landscapes and the animals and all of that but even with all of the eye candy nature of sheena the film itself ended up becoming a critical and commercial failure when it was finally released sheena tanked and big at the box office it was not even able to crack the top ten in its first week of release, even though it had a lot of advertising push to it. It took in only $5.8 million overall, off of a very lavish budget of about $30 million. And that's not counting all of the marketing that they did. It would go on to dubiously receive nominations, not for Oscars, but the Razzies, the Golden Raspberry Awards. It received nominations for Worst Picture of 1984, Tanya Roberts for Worst Actress John Gillerman for Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Score were also nominated. But luckily for them, they didn't get those awards. John and Bo Derek's Bolero won every single one of those categories that they were nominated for. Now, interestingly, but not surprisingly, Sheena did enjoy more success in subsequent years on video and in cable showings after its theatrical release. It's really not hard to figure out why when you watch the film. There are very few Movies that have a PG rating that have more nudity than this film. It really did benefit because it was released one week before the PG-13 rating came into effect. And Roberts went through a rigorous physical fitness training program that included weights and trapeze work and bareback horse riding. She really is in tip-top shape here. She got down to about 10% body fat, so eye candy galore for those people who are just looking for that kind of thing. She also took speech lessons to reduce her Bronx accent as well. Now, it's difficult to tell if the camp value gained from watching Sheena is intentional or not. It's impossible to take some of the laugh-inducing dialogue very seriously, but at the same time, Gillerman's direction appears to be so earnestly serious that it kind of makes you wonder if he was actually trying to make a good movie out of uh, apparent nonsense here. So it's hard to know now on the positive side the work with the exotic animals is an asset the tamed wild animals are well trained a lot of them were used in hollywood productions before and since they shipped all of these animals to africa from herbert wells animal actors of hollywood which supplied a lot of the birds and the chimps and the lions and leopards and horses and an elephant and all of that was about a cost of the a million dollars of the budget the rhino came from a zoo in New Jersey, and the marketers of this film claim that the zebra that Sheena rides is actually a zebroid, which is a zebra-horse hybrid. But you know, a lot of people that feel they know their horses claim that it's just a horse that was painted with stripes and a cropped mane to look like a zebra. Now, they had to go this route because the two zebras that they had obtained for the film were not happy with having even a rope on them, much less a person zebras are notoriously difficult to train compared to horses. The score by Richard Hartley, I think that's one of the biggest head scratchers of the film, at least the way that it's used within the course of the movie. It sounds a lot like a love suite, and sometimes it's played during very tense action sequences. You know, a lot of it sounds like the lush Vangelis chords of Chariots of Fire, and to my ears, it seemed like a precursor to Mark Knopfler's storybook Love for The Princess Bride. It has a very similar tone to and effect, although The Princess Bride actually uses it for its romantic balladry. Now, maybe if there was a director that was willing to see the humor value in this material, maybe that could have made a reasonably entertaining popcorn movie out of it all. And while Sheena does provide some frequent uh, so-bad-it's-good moments, as a whole, I think the movie will be seen by a lot of people as tediously dull. The runtime, I think, desperately needs to be trimmed, and there's really just not enough story here to carry the load of a nearly two-hour movie, especially one that has such a bare-bones plot with minimal dialogue. Roberts herself actually went into the movie thinking that it would be a star-making vehicle, but she came out agreeing with the critics that it was not a good film. She blames a lot of the changes in the script. She felt that Newman's original script would have made an excellent film and that was the one that drew her into the part, but there were all the revisions by Sample and she felt that they made everything worse and a terrible movie resulted. Even though objectively her performance in this film does not help very much either. Now I would say there are two significant reasons to see Sheena and Maybe not the two you're thinking of, but, (laughs) uh, well, maybe one of them is the two that you might have in your mind. The scintillating physique of Tanya Roberts is one of them, but, and that's if you didn't get to see enough of Tanya Roberts in a skimpy and skin-tight clothing in a very similar vehicle a couple of years before called the Beastmaster, you do see her in all her glory, and I do mean all, in Sheena. And the other reason I would say is not really as apparent, but it's equally alluring for those of like mind. And that's the sheer B-movie value of it, because even though this is a major studio release, the script and some of the characterizations here suggest kind of a cheapy Z-grade exploitative experience, especially appealing for those who like that kind of exploitative cinema. And if that means you, I think you will probably find kind of a cult enjoyment, along with many others who have grown to like its taste or even lack of taste over the years. Now, it does have weak acting. The script is pretty lousy. The direction, very uninteresting. It's a very outdated idea for a movie in general, even for its era, but I think the prospect of Sheena delivering a film of excellent quality would appear to have been an impossibility anyway. Now, if they could have realized this earlier and trimmed down the 117 minutes by about a half hour, I think we would have much more of a movie I would happily recommend for lovers of bad movies instead of only the most masochistic, but if that's your sort of bag, there are enough things here within the kind of extended runtime to enjoy but not enough for me to recommend still a far cry from a recommendable movie for most people. And that's why I'm going to give Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, or just Sheena, as it is often called, two stars out of four. Two stars on my scale means that it's lacking something vital that would keep it from being a movie that I could recommend to most of you out there. And that thing that it's lacking is good acting and a good script. I think if they could have gotten those together, all of the elements would have been there to be at least something that had the chance to be enjoyable. But without that lead star that could really deliver or carry a movie... And without a script that gave us characters that we ever can come to care about, I think that it just was a weak entry going in, and they were not able to pull it off, even with all of the money that they threw at it. So two stars is the best I can give Sheena. Now, as far as what I'm going to be reviewing next week, I mentioned it during the body of this review. It's that other film that features Tanya Roberts, and it does have a hero that can talk to animals with his mind. Just like Sheena, it is called The Beastmaster from 1982. Talk about cult films. That film really took off when it appeared on video and on cable releases. I think TBS would show this like every week. So. The Beastmaster for next week. If you want to keep up with the reviews, you'll check that out. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review of Sheena. If you have your own thoughts on Sheena, maybe you're one of those great apologists for this film and have come to actually enjoy it unironically, you can write to me as to the reasons why. You can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. You can find links to my email, my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my Instagram. Any of those are adequate to get in touch with me. And until next time, thank you so much for listening and joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies.